Well, allow me to echo what has already been said uh, today, but it needs to be said again. Happy Memorial Day weekend, and I, I hope, encourage you, if those who have a day off tomorrow, you're going to be around family, especially those with kids and grandkids around. I hope that you pause sometime tomorrow and remember that we're not just, we're not just off so that we can cook out and begin summer or all those things. We're doing it because of a high price that was paid. You know, I think all of us are bickering just a little bit right now, and rightly so, about the high prices of things, aren't we? Uh, I think this is one weekend where we remember that, that there are some who paid a much higher price so that I have the privilege of preaching the whole counsel of the word of God today, to preach the truth from God's word. And, and so we are deeply, deeply grateful. At Kingsland, if you've been around here for some time, you know we tend to preach through books of the Bible. And, uh, and I'd rather do that than chase everything that is uh, going on in the news, what have you. But every now and then we also pause and talk about some things that need to be discussed. Uh, we began this year with a series called Coming Soon. We recognize the uh, impending coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, all the signs are there. It may be another uh, thousand years. We don't know, but we know that he's coming soon. And in light of his coming, we live differently. But we also know that there is a, a challenge coming to the church soon uh, that we can see happening in real time around us. And therefore, we've pushed pause several times throughout the year and we'll continue to, to talk about this, the clashes that the scripture has with cultural norms and that uh, seem to be changing also around us. And today I want to talk about one that's very important. I want to talk about the value of life. You've watched the same news I had the last few weeks and you have seen that uh, first there was released the news that there was a leaked briefing uh, from the Supreme Court that uh, indicated that there may be an overturning of Roe versus Wade, the nearly 50-year-old Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal in our nation. And, uh, and, and so my heart lit up to think that these prayers could be answered. And you've also seen that there has been a firestorm that's come out because of that. And uh, frankly, I've been a little bit surprised at some people who love the Lord Jesus Christ who seem to be, still be very confused about this issue. And so I thought we should talk about it. But then as if that wasn't enough to watch what's happening around us, we've also seen um, the, the tragedy of the Southern Baptist scandal uh, that came out on the news the last few weeks and has been going on for months, and we grieve that. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that will uh, stand for the innocent and do everything we can, whether it's procedurally or, or uh, proactively, uh, to, to stand for survivors and victims, and we'll continue to do so. Yet it's heartbreaking. And then, of course, we all heard the news about the tragedy of the school shooting in Uvalde earlier this week. And so it's just swirling. You say, my goodness, what's, what a battle. But you know, I would submit to you that when you see all these things, they all have one common denominator. They point to a culture that has devalued human life as God has ascribed it. And so that's what we need to talk about today, I think. Let me say a word to moms and dads and grandparents who have kiddos in the room. I promise you we're going to talk about these things in a more symbolic manner so that you can have conversations at home that you, you need to have about the value of life. And so, in fact, there's some resources available to you. I love that our children's ministry is so active in making, uh, empowering you at home. And so you can go to the Kingsland app. There are a number of resources available there. Or you can pick up a handout that's available to you today as you go out that has uh, some discussion uh, prompts for you, but also has a pro-life declaration for kids that you can take advantage of that we, uh, we borrow from Focus on the Family. So it's a great resource for you that's available on both campuses and in every room. And so I hope you'll take advantage of those uh, today. Um, moms and dads, we have to talk about this. 
because kids are growing up in a world where uh, some humans are, are seen as less than. Uh, in the children's book, Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who, there's a story of an elephant who suddenly realizes there's a whole group of people who have been forgotten and are in danger. And he says these words, should I put this speck down? And then he continues in Dr. Seuss rhyming, but then it says, if I do, these small persons may come to great harm. I can't put it down and I won't. After all, a person's a person, no matter how small. And everywhere you turn today, I think there's a loss of human dignity. What is the Christian supposed to do about this? I will also say, inevitably, I'm going to get an email today or tomorrow from somebody saying, Pastor, I, I just hate it when you talk politics. And I tell you, I'm not talking politics today. This is, this is a, a political issue, but I'm not talking about it because it's a political issue. I'm talking about it because it's a biblical issue. See, we were here first. We talked about it a long time before it was ever in the courts. And so we cannot run from biblical issues just because they become political issues, nor will we ever do that uh, because we are going to stand before God one day and uh, give, a witness, give, a, give a report, whether we preach the whole counsel of the word of God. One more thing I'll say, and I promise we're going to dive in. I'm also fully aware that there's some who walked in the room today or you're watching online today and you have deeply felt regrets about a decision that you made in your past related to some form of this where you devalued life. And can I just say up front, I won't bury the lead that Romans 8 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am not preaching this message to stir up old wounds. That's not why. I am preaching this message to prevent new wounds from happening. Do you see the difference? And so you need to know when you come to Christ that you are forgiven, set free, and all of our sins, mine, yours, are under the blood of Christ and forgiven. Praise God for that. All right. Proverbs chapter 31. Would you find Proverbs 31 in your Bibles now uh, as we talk about this? Proverbs 31, incidentally, is uh, most famous for what? Often comes up on Mother's Day for the virtuous woman passage. This is before the virtuous woman passage. And if you look at the introduction of Proverbs 31, it, it shares with us that this is King Lemuel, the king of the land, sharing words that have been spoken to him by his mother. So his mama is saying, you're a king, you have influence, and because of that influence as a ruler, you have certain things that you need to do out of wisdom. Now, I'm pretty sure that no one gathering on any of our campuses today is a king, okay? I don't think we have any kings among us, and yet... We have a unique situation in our country because you do have influence. You have some measure of political power because of where we live. And so I think these words especially apply to you. How do we use the influence and the freedom and the power that God gives us as leaders to make an impact? May I say one other item while you have pens out and you're ready? Sunday evening, June the 12th at 5 p.m., I want to invite you to join me at the North Katy campus for a special prayer meeting. Now, I, don't, I know that the, lots of people are traveling this time of year. I just can't wait until after all the vacations are over to do this. I just feel the sense that God's people need to come together and pray. There is a, there is a, a spiritual uh, attack taking place and we need to seek the face of God. And so how, whether it's 10 of you or 1,000 of you or anything in between, we're gonna gather for prayer. North Katy campus, 5 p.m. on Sunday, June the 12th. And I wanna invite you to be with us there. Uh, incidentally, um, you've also seen some reports that around the country, 
uh, individuals have been coming to protest at pro-life churches who are outspoken as we are about this and sometimes they'll be in a service and jump up and disrupt and what have you. Um, that's, that's probably not if, it's when sometime at, at Kingsland because we, we stand for some truth that is uncomfortable to people uh, across the country. So if that ever happens in here, if it were to happen today, uh, you need to know we have a plan in place. You don't have to panic. We're just gonna continue preaching God's word. We have an emergency response team that will come alongside them. You don't need to get in an, uh, a debate with them right there. We'll have plenty of time to have a conversation later on when they're probably sitting in jail. But we, we have a chance to, to love them well enough to get out, okay? So don't, don't panic if that happens, when it happens, uh, about whatever issue, because we're going to stand on the word of God. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. In other words, when you are in a position of authority, you have an obligation to stand for those who are in difficult decision or situations and have no authority. So in the United States, we're not kings, right? We've been given a measure of authority. I want to share with you out of this simple passage, this brief passage, three priorities that I believe God gives his people when we have a call and a, an opportunity to influence, which we do. Can I share those with you? Three priorities today. Number one, human life matters more than my quality of life. Human life matters more than my quality of life. Look back at verse eight. Speak up for those who have no voice. So we need to embrace the value and personhood of those who have no Voice, which leads to a question. Why would anybody not speak up for those who have no voice? And the answer always comes back with one conclusion. It's inconvenient. When it's inconvenient or it affects our convenience, our lifestyle, sometimes we don't. I, I appear, I realize there appears to be a lot of different sides on this issue. And church, you know that I've, I've shared there's a lot of political issues that we tend to oversimplify. Uh, it, it can be complicated. Uh, and, and sometimes my, my, uh, Antenna go up when somebody says, oh, this is so simple. And, you know, we make it, it's just so simple. Well, a lot of things are complicated. Immigration might be complicated. Um, uh, economics might be complicated. Uh, the size of government may be complicated. Can I tell you something? This is not complicated. It's not complicated scientifically. It's not complicated biblically. It's not complicated scientifically long ago. Uh, science has, has resolved the issue of whether that's an individual life before someone is born. Uh, the DNA says so. The blood type says so. Uh, that, that child, now we can demonstrate, can often survive much earlier than we first thought outside the mother's womb. This is a, a, a life, a viable life. Science makes that clear. This is not complicated biblically either. God makes it clear that life begins at conception. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14, say this. For it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Many of you hear that in your heads like I do. I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you see? It's clear. When it comes to valuing life, listen, it doesn't just apply to the abortion issue. There are lots of ways the culture can devalue personhood. Listen, uh, it, it's, uh, 
It's, it's very important to understand you can always see this as a litmus test of, of how a, a nation is walking with the Lord when they start casting lies aside. Um, consider the following that the scripture makes it clear about. Uh, race, the dignity of human life with regard to race. Romans chapter 10 verse 12. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. So we can't devalue life We are not to, based on race. We are not to devalue human life based on class, whether someone is rich or poor. Proverbs 14, 31 says, the one who oppresses the poor person insults his maker. The one who is kind to the needy honors him. Listen, we cannot devalue human life based on disability. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 14 says, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you are to fear your God. I am the Lord. Uh, Some of you may say, well, is there any uh, devaluing of the disabled today? You better believe it. You better believe it. I see it all the time. Now, this is uh, especially meaningful to me. Some of you know, because I have a, a daughter with a disability. And so I've watched it. I've watched how people can cast aside those who, who walk through these things. And I'm going to share something with you just between us. Don't tell anybody. But I have a, uh, one pet peeve through the years when people stare at my daughter, you know. And, and I recognize that she has some uniqueness, but they stare. And I, I give kids a pass, you know, every time. I get it, you know. That's for mom and dad to say, hey, you know, this is some uniqueness. All this stuff's a teachable moment. But when grown-ups stare at my daughter, it irritates the snot out of me. And so I've developed a tactic it's happened more times than you can imagine. And I'm a pastor, so I can't respond probably how I would in the flesh. Well, here's what I do. Lana will tell you. <laughs> Sitting in a waiting room, let's say. Somebody's staring at my, my precious daughter. And so I stare back with the biggest smile that I can muster. <laughs> so here's what I do. Uh, I, I just go like this. And after a while, they, they just think I'm crazy. <laughs> Hi. I mean, just long enough to where everybody's uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm not recommending that. Don't put that in your notes. Just being honest. The Bible makes it clear we cannot devalue human life based on age. Listen to this, Leviticus 19.32, you are to rise in the presence of the elderly and honor the old. Fear your God, I am the Lord. We see it happening. Folks, don't doubt that this is what's coming. When we talk about life based on convenience, well, great grandma, you know, I'm not really sure how she's productive in society, so maybe, maybe we don't need her. We can watch this narrative starting to happen. Conversations we wouldn't have imagined 30 years ago are taking place right now. And of course, we cannot devalue human life based on whether someone is born or unborn. We already mentioned Psalm 139, and we see in Jeremiah 1.5 that it says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Listen, here's the problem. When only a few lives are sacred in a culture, it doesn't take very long before no lives are sacred in a culture. And we need to recognize that. Human life matters more than my quality of life. This reminds us of a second priority as Christians with influence. And here's the second one. Human life matters more than my personal liberty. You say, well, I'm willing to be inconvenienced, but I have my rights. Okay. 
Look back at Proverbs 31.9. Message to a king. Speak up. Judge righteously. The passage literally says to give a right judgment. See, not only do we understand the personhood of those who have no voice, but we're to do what is right even in the face of wrong or confusion or opposition or when we only represent the minority. We do what's right. When it comes to the abortion issue, a key question always comes up, and you've all heard it, okay? And here's what it says. Uh, What about the mothers involved? They are people too. You're taking away a woman's right to choose. And folks, the answer to that really good question is this. In every case of civil nations, government throughout history, rooted in the Ten Commandments is this. In every case everywhere, the rights of one individual end when they take away the rights of another individual. That's always the case. That's why parents don't have the right to harm a three-year-old. You, you don't have the right to say, this three-year-old's impacting my way of life. And she's not yet viable on her own. She needs me, so I should have the right to choose. You don't know how difficult my circumstances are. There's not a court in the land who would say, well, that's okay if you want to terminate your child. No one would do that. Why? Because your rights ended where the rights of another human being began. This also, it seems so obvious, right? So why doesn't everybody choose right in that case? It's because there are so many others, honestly, who have to gain financially, politically, personally, conveniently from this narrative. That's the only reason um, why people stand against an obvious call to justice in most cases. Uh, Incidentally, did you know that the abortion issue is actually closely tied to the race issue. And the great irony, I think, of today is that there are people who are fighting against racism who are also fighting for abortion, and they don't even realize what they're saying. Uh, Did you know that Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood in the 1930s, made no secret of her motive to help rid the culture of minorities through her industry. That was her primary focus. That was it. You can Google it. I'm not making it up. Don't trust your preacher. Look for yourself. But more importantly, all these battles are spiritual ones. Do you see? Life issues aren't political issues or cultural issues at their core. They are God issues. We look at who God is and his character, and we underestimate his authority and his power in the affairs of people. Nothing escapes his notice. Abortion is not an issue because it's a political problem. It is an affront to God. Euthanasia is not wrong because of philosophical issues. It is an affront to the holy God. Abuse against the elderly isn't wrong because it's unpopular. It's wrong because it questions God's beautiful design. Do you see? Every conversation about life needs to begin with an understanding of the holiness of God and his power to mandate how things should be. Listen, we're not God. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a media firestorm, you begin to think it's more complicated. No, it's not. And and once again, a very similar issue in our past uh, was debated in a very similar way. It's, it's a lot of parallels related to the Supreme Court and what's happening today and what took place when you go back over a century and you look at uh, the slavery issue in America. 
Slave owners argued ownership and personal rights. Does that sound familiar? In the years leading up to the Civil War, those states allowing slavery preferred to be referred to as choice states. In 1857, the Supreme Court voted 7-2 to that slaves were not legal persons. In 1973, the Supreme Court voted 7-2 to that the unborn were not legal persons. Do you see? But in, in both cases, it reminds us of an important principle. Human life is not valuable because the courts say so or not so, or presidents or polls say so. Human life is valuable because we're created in the image of a holy God. When we say that our convenience is more important than our value, uh, the value of life, we're, we're placing ourselves on the throne instead of God. And so, so we have to let God be on that throne and say, God, I set aside my convenience and I set aside my liberties at times in order for others to be heard who can't speak for themselves. Human life matters more than my quality of life. Human life matters more than my personal liberty. And I want you to see something else, another priority for believers here. Human life matters more than my agenda. Now, this is interesting because it takes us another step forward. It's very important. Listen up. The others are sort of passive, if you will, to say, okay, well, I wanted this, but I won't. Now, mama's saying to King Lemuel, no, listen, this doesn't just mean that you have hands off and don't say anything wrong. It means you have an obligation to do something right here. Uh, look back at verse 9. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. God is not calling us to just say, okay, I won't say anything ugly. No, he's saying, you need to move in the direction of those who might be hurting. You need to move in the direction and be a voice for those who don't have a voice when you have the power to do so. Uh, you, you need to do what God has enabled you, empowered you to do in, in a free country so that you can make a difference in their lives. But I think there's a, even a deeper message here when you look at this passage that we uh, defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. I wonder whether there's anybody in the room today, anybody on, online, anybody within the sound of my voice who honestly is not needy. Theologically, if you want to get deep for a second, we're all needy. We're in desperate need of forgiveness. We're sinners. And that's an affront to God. The wages of sin is death that has separated us from the holiness of God, all of us. And when you recognize that and you look back at Proverbs 31.9, you recognize this is actually the embodiment of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did he not speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy? See, that's the most important thing that we could remember today, is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And if you're here today, even though maybe you said, well, I can't believe I came on this Sunday, pastor's talking about this hot button issue. Listen, the most important thing you need to hear is that salvation, forgiveness, relationship with God is available to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not available any other way, but it's available, new life today. Don't leave here without recognizing that God loves you, that Christ died for you, and salvation is available to you. Do you see? Because I, I sense that some walked in here today and, and you are carrying deep burdens, maybe even about this issue right now. And when you start to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and understand what the Lord has done, do you understand that when you bring that before the Lord and you confess and you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, that all those things in, in your past and for that matter in your present and future are under the blood. They're forgiven. 
because Jesus paid the price. That goes for all of us. So when you start to recognize what this text really means, you realize God is not only pro-life, that means God's pro-you. He's pro-you. He loves you. I pray that somebody today would recognize that even for the very first time. But I also pray this, I recognize for others, you may get a little bit puffed up and you'd like to think that you've never been anywhere near a sense of devaluing human life. Well, maybe so. Let's say that's true. But here the passage tells us you still have some ownership in the solutions. I've heard a few people mention in conversations the last few weeks, you know, wow, if, if abortion is outlawed, I pray that it is. In our, in our nation or our state, you know, then all that missions money that we've invested in crisis pregnancy centers and all this thing, we can reposition that. Can I tell you something? The needs of people in crisis will be more important than ever in the next season. Crisis pregnancy centers will have a more significant role from here on out than they ever have. Listen, adoption ministry is more important now than it's ever been. Foster care ministry, I'm grateful for our tapestry ministry. I pray that God would raise up foster parents and adoptive parents, adoptive families in our congregation in the days ahead more than ever before. You see, because God has positioned us uniquely not only to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love. And that means finding those who are hurting and sharing God's love with them. Do you see? We have light to shine in the darkness. Aren't you grateful for the grace of God in your life? Aren't you grateful for the, the, the cross that allows us to be set free? So what, what's an appropriate response to a message like this? I thought through that and I'd offer some suggestions. First and foremost, I think I need to look at my own heart and repent of anything that's contrary to the heart of God, not just those things I see that maybe somebody else uh, holds to. Likewise, I need to ask the question, Lord, is there anybody who I have seen as less than? Any human group or people or individual that I have devalued some in my heart and repent of that. See people as God sees people, do you see? I think we need to pray earnestly for the least of these in our society right now, maybe more than ever. That's why I want to invite you to pray with me on beginning now and today, but Sunday evening, June the 12th, as we gather. I think we need to pray for those in power in our government, the Supreme Court, pray for our land. But most importantly, I wonder whether somebody came today and have never trusted Christ. You could experience freedom and forgiveness today. Or someone came in here just with this weight of guilt, this burden from the past. The enemy's been accusing you of for so long. And the Lord wants to say, not guilty. Not guilty. Let's bow together, church. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for your holiness, God, your justice. Thank you for healing us in Jesus Christ and setting us free. I pray that you give your eyes to us to see people, your heart to us to love people, to help us walk by your spirit. God, would you show us how to bless others in Jesus' name, to navigate this landscape with grace and truth. Thank you for your word, God, in Jesus' name, amen.